0: Welcome to Banfield, I'm Brian Enten in for Ashley tonight. Get out now. That is the very blunt message the U.S. government has for any Americans who are still in Russia. A travel advisory released today by the U.S. State Department warns of growing uncertainty surrounding the war in Ukraine and what it means for Americans in the region. And while the State Department has not released the exact number of Americans left in Russia... Who were in the country, either for work, school, travel, or family, we do know that some have not or not been able to leave just yet. The advisory includes a list of flights leaving Russia over the next three days, and as you can see, nearly all of them are full. The FAA recently downgraded Russia's air safety rating, and so the State Department has also included tips for U.S. citizens planning to re- leave Russia by land and sea. But that's just for the Americans in Russia who are allowed to leave. There are U.S. citizens being held prisoner in Russia tonight, and we now know just how difficult it is to get them out. Former U.S. Marine Trevor Reed was freed yesterday during a prisoner swap after months of negotiations. Former New, uh, New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson was a key player in those negotiations. He joined me yesterday here on Banfield to discuss how tense it was to strike a deal.
1: But it was a very tense period because uh, the next day before I left, before midnight, there was the invasion. So the atmosphere was not that good. But nonetheless, uh, we put forth uh, the objective, Karashenko, for Trevor Reed. Uh, we also talked about Paul Whelan. You know, let this guy out. He's a Marine also. He's unjustly detained. And Brittany Greyer, so we have two more to go. But the fact that the Russians talked to us and negotiated on Trevor Reed is a good sign.
0: We are also learning new details about Reed's treatment while he was uh, being held in Russia from a diary that his parents kept. They filled it with news and updates that they received during his incarceration, and it is very disturbing. I want to share some of the passages uh, with you now. This one is from May 25th, 2021. Defense team is notified that Trevor is positive for COVID-19. The appeal hearing scheduled for May 26th is postponed. Defense team is concerned they might have been exposed to COVID-19 due to the prison's lack of concern for Trevor's complaints and not waiting for results of COVID test. Now we go to June 15th, 2021. Trevor continued to have some chest discomfort and was requesting chest x-rays and another COVID test. While in the prison hospital, Trevor received only vitamins. He could hear people in other cells yelling for help because they were very ill. On the weekends, the nurses would tell them to be quiet because there were no doctors. There was a rumor that someone died in the room near them. And then December 15th, 2021... Trevor was sent to disturbing locations such as a mental institution and locked up with psychotic killers. Trevor has been complaining of congestion and a cough since having COVID in June. He now has some other health issues that may be related to drinking non-potable water in solitary confinement. Horrible conditions. Conditions that two other high-profile U.S. prisoners may have also found themselves in. Paul Whelan, a U.S. citizen and a former Marine like Trevor Reed, has been imprisoned in Russia since 2018 on charges of espionage. And Brittany Griner, a professional basketball player, has been held on drug charges since February of this year. Yesterday, I asked Governor Richardson what he thinks the chances are of them being released soon.
1: I think it'll take a little time. And, you know, there are 40 other hostages around the world, uh, families. We, my foundation works for the families. And we move and try to secure the release of hostages because of the families. But we work with the government, with the State Department, the White House. Uh, but at the same time, you can't be... Uh, totally pessimistic. I think this is a good sign. The Russians actually, here's a time when the tension is so high over Ukraine, uh, over now the uh, the natural gas shortages in Europe, that they made this deal right now. Maybe they're sending a signal. Maybe uh, they're ready to talk. I'm not sure. I don't think so. But I think it's good news for Brittany and for Paul Whelan. And I'm going to do everything I can to get them out.
0: We will have to wait and see if and when that happens. I wanna bring in Jonathan Sanders. He is the former Moscow correspondent for CBS News and a professor of journalism at Stony Brook University uh, and the author of the book, The Russians Emerge. And also with us, Laura Ballman. She is a national security and global affairs expert who spent nearly two decades serving as a U.S. intelligence officer in Europe, Central Asia, Asia and also the Middle East. Uh, Laura, I wanna start with you. What are the options uh, for people who are being held uh, in jails in other countries? I mean, surely not everyone has access uh, to the governor to help. What, what do those people do?
2: Good evening. Thanks for having me on. Um, the first thing American citizens should do is contact the consulate. When you travel overseas, memorize one of those telephone numbers, Call, say, hello, my name is so-and-so, I'm an American citizen, and I'm being detained here by XYZ. Uh, there is a problem uh, in Russia for any Americans there because uh, we no longer have consulates. There used to be four, so the only place to call would be the embassy in Moscow.
0: And, Jonathan, you lived in Russia uh, for a long time. I mean, it wasn't that long ago I had friends vacationing in Moscow, bragging about what a great place it was before everything broke out uh, uh, in Ukraine. Yeah. Would you even consider going over there now?
3: Uh, I would, Brian. I've been going to Moscow in good and bad situations. Everyone says this is the worst time in the Cold War. Well, I was there when Ronald Reagan called it an evil empire. Um, I've had all kinds of different experiences, but I'm not your normal American. I speak Russian. I may have more friends or had more friends in Moscow than I have in New York. Most of my friends who can have left, the others are more or less waiting for their children to finish the school year before they escape. They're, Russia's losing its middle class and without a middle class, you can't have democracy. So Putin's, uh, Putin's undoing some of the things that really got him into government to start with. But yes, I would go.
0: And I Laura, you just heard Jonathan mention, I mean, the, the, yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I, I have a different perspective. I think uh, anytime you have to escape from a country, it's probably not a good time to go there. And I'm not being flippant. I'm being serious. The geopolitical context has changed in uh, such a degree that I think it's very dangerous. Uh, we've seen, for example, in Iran, used to be that dual um, U.S.-Iranian citizens would travel back and forth without any problem. Now there are at least five Americans that have been detained, and this is a pattern. It's not just five random uh, uh, tourists. They're dual citizens. So there are some parallels here. Uh, I can say, in my experience, the first time I went to Russia was in 1995, and the most recent time was 2016. I felt, even though it was closer to the Soviet era, I felt an excitement in the mid-90s in Moscow that when I went back in 2016, there was certainly more wealth, but there was also more tension, um, more surveillance. I would definitely not recommend uh, going to Russia right now for an American citizen or a dual citizen. And Laura, before, well, I, I um, before Laura. the war, I think, she's
3: I
0: think right. yeah, let me just get in there, Laura, before the war, um, I think there was a certain excitement uh, that people thought, oh, not a lot of people go to Russia, it might be kind of exciting to go there. But when you think about Trevor Reed, I mean, is it just a vicious cycle? Mm-hmm. Are they going to just be arresting more people on bogus charges, hoping to do prisoner exchanges, hoping to, you know, open the dialogue uh, with the United States? Is that something we should be concerned about right now, Laura?
2: Well, I think that any time there are, uh, hostilities between any nation state, there's also an interest at all parties to have some sort of contact, to have some carrots that could be a prisoner swap, that could be some sort of cultural, uh, event in a third venue like UNESCO, for example, um. I think that in this particular situation, uh, the we have to remember this is, does not appear, and more will be revealed in coming days. But this does not appear to be a classic espionage uh, spy swap. This is a appears to be a Department of Justice uh, and DEA matter, which. Uh, in those cases, you're right that the individual is not necessarily as important from the Russian's perspective. You know, that particular individual, um, it's more what he or she represents um, as a bargaining chip.
0: And Jonathan, um, you know, yesterday we were all so happy to see those images of, um, of Trevor Reed coming off the plane uh, in Turkey and getting on right. the American plane and now back uh, on, his, in U- on U.S. soil tonight. Um, do you think this is a good news for the other two American hostages there? Do you think this might be a good time to negotiate and get them out too?
3: Oh, I think that each one of these cases separate. Uh, I think that his parents did the absolute right thing. They went to the president. They got to the head man. And um, it's odd that whenever we have times of real tension between Washington and Moscow, there always seems to be some kind of prisoner exchange. We've had these things blow up summits. I remember just before the Reykjavik summit, that it almost got postponed because the Russians arrested Nick Danilov from U.S. News and World Report, and we nabbed a uh, spy at the United Nations. This goes on a good deal. I'm actually glad to see that the an exchange went through because it's a completely separate channel, but you better believe this went all the way to the top, and Mr. Putin approved this for whatever reasons he has in his... Um, crazed mind these days, and I think he's crazed by doing so badly in the initial stages of this war.
0: Yeah, surely it went all the way to the top. Let's hope that we get some good news for those other Americans soon. Uh, Jonathan Sanders and Laura yes. Bauman, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thanks. Okay, and it is not just Russia where Americans are currently being held prisoner. According to the James W. Foley Legacy Foundation, there are currently 59... 59- U.S. citizens being wrongfully detained in 13 countries all over the world. And those are just the ones that have been publicly disclosed. Surely there are others that we don't even know about. There are likely more Americans being held uh, that haven't been uh, put out there because they're scared for their security. So what can, we be, do- what can be done uh, for all of them? I want to bring in someone who knows a lot about these kind of wrongful detention cases. Barry Rosen was held hostage for 444 days after Iranian militants took over the U.S. Embassy in Tehran in 1979. Uh, Barry, thank you uh, for being with us tonight. I can only imagine when you were watching uh, Trevor get released yesterday, w- when you see these hostages get released, it must bring so much back for you. Well, first, thank, thanks
4: for having me on. Uh, look, I'm absolutely overjoyed for Trevor and his family, and I think his family did what I think is the right thing, go to the president Speak out. All too often, and this is the thing I keep counseling many of my Iranian friends, the dual nationals are being held in Iran. Speak out. Tell the president and the administration they need to do something about it all. I am mystified, however, that uh, Trevor is freed in an amazingly difficult time and place. In the in uh, the situation with the Russians, and yet with dual nationals in Iran, we are absolutely hapless. We keep talking the game, but we do nothing. And you know, in my meeting with uh, the special envoy uh, to uh, the Geneva agre- agreements on the JCPOA, I was told then by Robert Malley that no matter if there is an agreement on the JCPOA or not, the nuclear deal, we will make a deal with Iran for the hostages. That has not transpired. And in fact, they mentioned only four hostages, four dual nationals, but in fact, there are five. And the fifth one is hardly known by most Americans. I am tremendously disappointed with the State Department, with the president, and with with Robert Malley, things are not moving along the way they should be.
0: It certainly is alarming, Barry, that there are so many uh, Americans being held all over the world, and we don't even really hear much about them. We heard a lot about what Trevor uh, went through, his condition when when he was behind bars, how he had COVID. Right. Uh, what was it like for you uh, when you were being held in Iran? It
4: was it was misery, held in darkness. Uh, threatened with with um, weapons to my head um, they counted to 10 and told me if I did not answer that I was a spy and signed an agreement they would shoot me immediately look the Iranians know what they're doing we have to know what we're doing stop this ridiculousness with dealing with Iran on the JCPOA unless the hostages are freed immediately. They cannot be staying in Iran under these circumstances, and we negotiate with them in
0: Vienna. It's a joke. It's obscene. So you, him, Barry, him you, him, you, were, you, were held for, you were held for 400 days, uh, or more than 400 days. Did you think that you were going to get out? Did you have hope? Did you lose hope? I mean, what goes through your mind during something like that? every day
4: is a misery you lose hope all the time i remember counting day by day whether i would ever get out or not and there was a great deal of hopelessness going on and i know those americans and other dual nationals held in evine prison are living under unbelievably inhumane situations counting every day of their lives remember they are missing their families look the reeds, I feel for them. But there are dual national Iranians who are have been held for more than six years in Iran, and no one talks about them, and no one cares about them. It's time that the United States does something. I think we need to punish Iran more severely than we ever do, ever have done. That means... I have heard from some families any, in the
0: past, Barry. I've heard from some families uh, who have... Um, loved ones who are being held captive in different places that the state department will sometimes tell them stay quiet don't talk to the media i mean i've even personally reached out to some of these families in the past trying to do stories and they'll say we want to but the state department has told us to stay quiet they think it'll do more damage than good but it sounds like what you're saying is that all of these families should just get as loud as they possibly can absolutely the worst advice is to keep quiet i know
4: when I was on my hunger strike in Vienna on behalf of all the hostages who were being held in Iran, I was getting information from these hostages telling me, yes, keep it going. Tell everybody what is going on because they know nothing. We know absolutely nothing. And for the State Department and those people who are in charge of dealing with the situation to tell families to keep quiet, it's the worst possible policy decision of all raise your voice talk about the human condition these people are suffering under inhumane circumstances and iran should not be permitted to get an agreement on a nuclear deal while they're holding people hostage and make and cre- creating a situation where their human rights are violated on a daily basis
0: you make a good point of how these hostages know nothing when they are being held, I cannot even imagine how frustrating and terrifying that must be to be stuck in a situation like that and not even know what is going on. Thank you for all the work that you do, Barry. Um, I know you're fighting on behalf of the other hostages, and thank you for coming on with us tonight.
4: Thank you. Look, uh, one thing I have to say, Zendebud Bud Iran, long live Iran and freedom for Iran hostages. Got it. Thank, thank you, you so
0: much, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, move- Welcome back. If you are having senior moments, years or even decades ahead of schedule, do not blame your brain after two plus years of a pandemic and everything that entailed brains of all ages have gotten foggy and forgetful. And there's actually research to back it up. Almost a third of people who've had COVID report having memory issues or problems concentrating long after they recover. A German study tested young people who thought their brains were just fine, no mental issues at all. And even among that group, the ones who'd had COVID, not even severe COVID, scored much worse on memory and attention tests than those who had not had COVID. Earlier today, I spoke with Brigitte O'Day, who is a writer for the Irish Times and who knows way more about brain fog than she wants to. O'Day had COVID twice in a fairly short time. And in a recent column, she compares the after effects to walking through a field of glue.
5: I am a writer. That's my job. Um, and one of the days I sat down to write and... It almost was quite scary, and um, that there was this feeling of, you know, as we say, brain fog. It was the opposite of fog. It was it was emptiness. It was it was, it was a clear sky. There was nothing there. There were, there was no stars. There was no clouds. There was no breeze. It was it was nothingness. And I was trying to write on the page, and there was nothing to unpick from my brain. People may not realize how. It, you can lose these really basic functioning tasks and you lose a lot of time. Um, you know, it happens to me that maybe I'm emailing a colleague um, and I can't remember the colleague's name. So instead of being able to search, you know, this is Brian, I'm looking up Brian on Google or in my Gmail account, um, I take to Twitter and I'm saying, I hope they posted recently on Twitter. <laughs> I hope this is on my feed because I need something to remind me of their name.
0: That same German study I mentioned found that problems get better with time. Memory issues seem to improve. After six months, give or take, attention problems may go away entirely after nine months. But pandemic or no, it is a fact that some of us make life harder for our brains than it should be. And they are aging faster and working slower as a result. Maybe this is impacting you and you don't even know it. We'll tell you how to spot the symptoms and maybe even learn how to fix them. That's when we come back. Right now. We are talking brain health and ways to improve it, even if you're fogged in from COVID. My next guests have some extremely high-functioning brains. Dr. Ajmal uh, Zamar is a neurosurgeon at the University of Louisville, and Dr. Sabina Brennan is a psychologist, a neuroscientist, a podcaster, uh, and author of Beating Brain Fog. Welcome to both of you. I'm in very good company tonight. I want to start with you, um, Dr. Zamar, because this is just so fascinating to me, uh, this whole conversation about brain fog. I'm wondering, people who have the brain fog, especially after they have COVID, is is this something that you can actually see in images of their brains? Uh,
6: I think we start to see more and more. So we know that there is inflammation in the nerve cells of the brain. There's inflammation in the blood vessels of the brain. We start to see symptoms like, uh, it's quite well established now, a loss of taste and smell, um, patients who have uh, strokes and brain bleeds, and also, we're starting to see more and more patients who have seizures due to irritation of the nerve cells um, resulting from COVID infection.
0: So, Dr. Brennan, um, if you have COVID and then you realize that you are having this brain fog, that you're having a hard time uh, remembering things easily, that you can't stay focused, uh, what should you do?
5: Um, very good question. Um, you, uh, really should not, it's really important not to become stressed about it or over anxious about it. Um, Basically, um, what is really, really vital and important is that you try to prioritise sleep. Your brain needs sleep to function well. Um, it's also really important that you try to start exercising. And I know that can be difficult and challenging for people living with COVID. But the brain, you know, uh, needs a good supply of oxygen and nutrients and it needs a healthy cardiovascular system to function well. So I think in part... Um, you know there can be a deconditioning in terms of your cognitive functioning as well as your physical functioning. So physical exercise would be very um, important. Um, I think um, it's also really important, actually, um, that you eat a healthy diet and that you eat regularly and that you also actually have routine in your life. Your brain thrives on routine. Uh, and that's something really that's happened irrespective of whether uh, you have... Um, being infected with COVID, just the fact that we went into lockdown. Um, all of our routines were disturbed, disrupted. Um, and the brain needs a, you know, a good proportion of its activities to be routine and habitual so that it doesn't have to use exe- excessive cognitive resources to think about what you have to do. And so when we went into lockdown, that actually put extra stress on the brain, an extra challenge on the brain. You had to think about when am I going to get up? Um, when do I actually even need to get dressed? When's my first Zoom call? And um, people were homeschooling; all their routines were disrupted, and that put actually extra strain on on the brain. And then on top of that. Um, our sleep was disrupted. If you think back to 2020, a lot of people were talking about having crazy dreams and not being able to sleep. That disrupts your ability to learn and remember. And then um, we were chronically stressed. And one of the worst things for your brain um, is, is, is poorly managed chronic stress because it impacts on both the structure and the functioning of your brain.
0: And Dr. Zamar, putting COVID aside, uh, what if you haven't had COVID, but you're experiencing brain fog? Uh, what other causes are there? And, and should you be concerned? I mean, because sometimes, you know, some people are just tired one day and might not have as good a train of thought one day. At what point should you actually think, let me go to the doctor, this is something more serious?
6: Uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, sometimes the weather changes, sometimes you have other reasons in your life, and you can point them out to being tired. I think if you constantly are feeling tired and don't have any other uh, reason in your life that you could account this to, uh, I would probably, after, you know, a few weeks, you constantly feel tired, you don't have energy, you feel lost, uh, maybe you have other symptoms, like also fevers that could point to an infection, or you start feeling just in general, you don't sleep, well, I would probably seek a doctor after that time, uh, just if, if it doesn't get better, and you don't have a change on and off, but it constantly stays with you.
0: And Dr. Brennan, you said something uh, interesting uh, a minute ago. You said something like, don't think about it too much. Do you think there are people that obsess over it? Because obviously if you're having a little bit of brain fog, it's going to bother you. If you think about it more and more and more and obsess over it, could that actually make it worse?
5: Yeah, I mean, focusing your attention um on pain, for example, you know, um, it, it makes it more likely that you will experience the pain. So um, distraction can be a good ploy and a, and, and a good way to take your focus away from the thing that is possibly stressing um, you out. Touching back on what you were just saying there um, uh, uh, about... W- uh, about brain fog, when to consider that it's something that you need to seek attention for. I mean, we've all experienced the symptoms of brain fog at some point or other, whether it's because of of jet lag or are you know uh, burning the candle at both ends. But that usually resolves itself. The thing with brain fog is, you know, um, that the symptoms are persistent, they occur regularly, um, and they start to interfere with your um, ability to carry out your job. They interfere with your relationships and your quality of life. I mean, for a lot of people who have multiple symptoms of brain fog, they often say to me, like... I feel like I've lost myself. I, I don't recognise myself anymore. And if you think about it, the, the cognitive domains that are affected by brain fog are multiple. So we have executive functioning, that's your focus, your ability to plan, to organise, to make decisions. You have memory, you have word-finding issues, and um, you have language problems in that your, your, your speech may not be as fluent um, or as rich as it ordinarily would be. You also have problems with processing speed, so it can take a Long time for you to take information in, make sense of it, formulate a response, uh, and then reply. Now, if you're somebody who's always quick-witted or the first one in for a sharp response or who comes up with the most creative ideas, um, if you have brain fog, you're unable to do those things anymore. And, and so it's almost like a personality change. And people have said to me things like, um, you know, it's interfering with their relationship because their husband maybe has told them that um, he has to do X, Y, Z, or he's going to be away next week or he can't go to such and such a dinner party. And um, and they say, their wife might say, No, what, what do you mean you can't go? And, and their husband will say, Well, I told you last week. I don't remember that you told me. And and that's brain fog. But the husband may go, well, you don't listen to me anymore, you know? And, and, and yeah, I can imagine, things,
0: uh, Dr. Relations. Brennan, I can imagine how scary that must be if, if you feel like your personality is changing. That really must just really terrify people. Uh, Dr. Zamar, you know, obviously we've heard that exercise, eating well, sleeping right uh, can all help fix brain fog and make it better. But are there any like sort of mental tricks that you should be doing? mental exercises, I should say, that could also help?
6: Absolutely. I think, depending on what you enjoy, sometimes uh, the younger generation likes to have video games and things like that, that they like to play, and there's a ton of them where you can play games that stimulate your mind. The brain is essentially no different than a muscle. The more you train the muscle, the more it grows. The brain is the same way. We call it plasticity. The more you train the circuits of memory, the more they will build and they will grow. And you know, there's uh, puzzles, um, uh, any kind of quizzes that people like, a ton of things. You know, even I've had a friend who said, "Hey, uh, at, at age um, uh, 70, uh, his, his uh, dad started to learn a new, new language. Uh, these are all things that stimulate the brain in a variety of ways. And I think if uh, we have that th- to, to continuously stimulate the brain uh, in, in whatever you enjoy doing, uh, challenge the brain, don't stop challenging it. We sometimes, with age, start to get into the habit of always doing the same things, being in our comfort zone. It's good to stimulate the brain and get out of comfort zone, for example, learning a new language. These are all the things that keeps that muscle grow and keeps our brain active and healthy.
0: And when you mentioned getting into our comfort zone, I want to ask you this because I've wondered this with my parents and grandparents. Uh, when they retire yeah. and they get out of that routine of constant stimulation every day and going to work every day and interacting with lots of people, can that impact brain fog and can that actually impact the brain?
6: It depends what you do when you retire. I think if you decide to stay at home um, and do nothing else and be isolated in the environment, absolutely it can. There's a lot of studies in animals and humans where we know that, uh, and we call it enriched environment. So the more your environment stimulates your brain, the more your circuits, your nerve cells are staying in shape and in tone. I think if you are retired and you say, hey, I'm going to go play golf, I'm going to go travel, I'm going to go meet friends, so you have this enriched environment and stimulating effects coming in your brain, I would have no concern. I do think, though, that that stage, specifically when you have this routine for years and years and years, you go to work. My dad, for example, I say to him, hey, when do you want to retire? He says, it's not about, for me, it's not about making money. I want that routine. I love that. That's the stimulating part of my brain. Yeah, that, so, that makes perfect people, sense. Yeah. It
0: makes perfect sense, yeah.
6: Yeah, um, I think for some people, work is the routine. And if you stop doing it, to come back to your question, just start having new routines and things that you enjoy that stimulate the brain.
0: Got to stay busy. makes sense. Okay, Dr. Zamar and Dr. Brennan, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, so much he- helpful information. We appreciate it. Thank
6: you, thank you for having me.
0: Okay, coming up next, I want you to take a look at this four-bedroom, three-bathroom house for sale. It is 1,800 square feet, not a mansion, uh, but a pretty house nonetheless. How much would you guess it is going for? What do you think? Try $2.5 million. The reason is one word, Florida. You may want to rethink those retirement plans. We'll tell you why coming up next. Okay, so you have put in your decades of work, and that 401k is looking as big and bold as ever. Thinking about spending your golden years in Florida? Well, think again, because not only did Realtor.com just designate Miami as the least affordable city in America, but the entire state takes the cake when it comes to moving south. Check out this list of the biggest rent increases for any Sunbelt market over the last year. Florida accounts for the top three spots on the list. Miami uh, has always been on the pricey side, but an increase of over 55% in the last year. Then, more surprising, is the second biggest hike in all of the South. It's Metro Orlando, uh, which went up 35%, followed by the Tampa area, where the median rent went up to over $2,000 a month for the first time ever. And we are joined by a gentleman who knows everything there is to know about buying a little piece of the Sunshine State. Uh, Scott Giroux is the Executive Director of Luxury Sales with the CBG Luxury Team at Compass. I mean, Scott, it is insane. What the heck is going on in Florida these days?
7: Well, you know, thank you for having me, Brian. You're, you're a Florida guy. You know what it's like to live in this beautiful state. Um, people originally came for the sun, the beaches, the golf and the tennis boating. Uh, and then we saw a tremendous influx of tax migration. Uh, and, and that brought us a lot of the buyers that we see that come from the traditional northeast corridor in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, then it started to shift to the West. We saw a lot of Chicago buyers coming to South Florida and now obviously uh, a lot of California buyers. So those people are leaving high tax states. They're coming here where there's no state income tax. Uh, you know, the year round beautiful weather that we have, obviously. And it's simply a matter of supply and demand, really, at this point, um, the home builders and the condo builders and developers can't build them quickly enough. And we're seeing over a thousand people a day coming to the Sunshine State for all the reasons that I just mentioned.
0: The numbers really are insane, Scott. I know you are in Boca Raton. I want you to take a look at this video. Um, this is a, it was taken today in an area of Boca known as the Golden Triangle. Uh, and this neighborhood, it is literally flipping. Uh, before our very eyes, every day it looks a little different. The new construction you're seeing here, they are going for 4 to $6 million, and they are literally right next to 1,000 square foot ranches. Five years ago, they were asking $300,000 uh, for those little houses. Now they're asking in the millions. I mean, who can even afford it? Who's af- who can afford these houses?
7: Well, to an extent, you're right. Um, it's a lot of secondary homes for folks that live here in the Boca Raton area. Uh, that location that you just mentioned is 100 yards, 200 yards from my office. Uh, we saw those homes start turning over. We saw that kind of new development, new architecture look. What's so appealing of that particular neighborhood is the walkability of downtown Boca Raton and what that offers. There's very few places that you can find a single-family home in the downtown Boca Raton area with that walkability and close uh, proximity to the beach. So you're absolutely right. Uh, if you could find one of those homes that's new construction for two million dollars, let me know, because they don't exist anymore. They have been uh, scooped up by a lot of people that are either end users and want that beautiful place in paradise, or it's uh, a spec home builder. And they'll typically raise the property, build it from the ground up, and create something extraordinary that you're seeing in that video. Uh, it comes with a price tag. Before and someti- were- sometimes,
0: Scott, it's those yeah, it's those spec home builders, I feel like, who just raise the prices for everybody. Okay, real quick, I want to play a game with you, Scott. I'm going to show you a couple houses here, and I want to see uh, if you can guess what the price is, because they're in, in your area. Okay, let's look at number one here. This is Fort Lauderdale. It is okay. a three-bedroom, two-bath house, 1,200 square feet. Uh, what do you think that house is going for that you see right there?
7: It it looks pretty small, and of course, you know, depending as any great realtor would say, what neighborhood is it in? Uh, where is it located? I would say something that size, uh, probably the way it looks, two hundred fifty thousand or so, three hundred maybe. Four hundred, oh. four hundred thousand, Scott. Four
0: hundred. Okay, let's go to the next one. This one is in Boca, so this is right up your alley. Let's see if you can get this one. Uh, it is a four bedroom, three bath. 2,200 square feet. Looks like it's in a really nice area. Uh, what do you think for this one?
7: That, judging by the, the buildings in the background, I would think that that's over by the beach. Probably a little bit of a higher price tag. Uh, although those homes tend to be smaller, 2,200 these days is small. So I would say uh, low twos, 2.1, 2.2
0: close 3 million Three. 3 million for that house for that little house crazy okay last one here this one is miami this is a 5 bedroom 2 bath 1100 square feet which i feel like is a story in its in itself 5 bedrooms and it's 1100 square feet so imagine how small those bedrooms are what do you think for this one
7: that's that's a tough one 5 bedrooms is really appealing though uh, you know brian so in this market i'd say that's going to be 350 at least
0: yeah, very close. 400000 And again, it's a five-bedroom, two-bath at 1,100 square feet. I almost want to go check out that house tomorrow because I'm in Miami. It just doesn't seem to make much sense. Some of these listings, I feel like fib a little bit. Anyway, Scott, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We appreciate it.
7: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Welcome back. Turns out the Russians have turned to Aquaman's army for their latest weapon in the war on Ukraine. We mean Literally. Meet the latest members of the russian navy hello flipper when russia launched its attack on ukraine they moved at least two pens of dolphins to a military base near the black sea Satellite photos of the area showed the dolphins like they are hard at work patrolling the Black Sea on the lookout for the enemy, running interference and looking for any form of undersea attacks. Russia is not the only country training these mammals. Both the US and Ukraine have their own combat-ready dolphins, dolphins leaving us to wonder, uh, will there be an underwater battle? anytime soon. If there will be, uh, they will be ready. Okay, we are turning things over now uh, to Marnie and Leland, and they will continue our coverage tonight on News Nation. Hey, guys.
2: All right, Brian. Thank you.